Hi, this is Mary Hayes Greco. Welcome to this special edition of the Rise and Thrive podcast. In the wake of the murder of George Floyd and the civil uprising that flamed across Minneapolis, there came a call to end systemic racism in police departments across the nation. The question of how this will be done, reform the system or transform it by dismantling the system is a very controversial question. As a block leader for 35 years in Powderhorn Park, Minneapolis, I am familiar with working directly with both the city police and the people that they arrest for the crime in my neighborhood. In this podcast, I want to share with you my perspective on the question about the future of policing in our cities. I hope you'll find it valuable, and if so, that you'll share this podcast with people you know who are interested in this important question. Dismantle the police? Thoughts from a block leader in Powderhorn Park, Minneapolis. I have lived in Powderhorn Park for 35 years. The inner city neighborhood in Minneapolis that is known for its diversity and its preponderance of artists, writers, lefty peaceniks, and our amazing yearly May Day Parade. Our scrappy persistence and uniquely inclusive neighborhood identity gave rise to a local t-shirt that uses Powderhorn as an adjective. Powderhorn, having the power to create community based in love and creativity. I love the residents who live here and I know a lot of them. For Powderhornians, Many of us boomer hippies and others of different ages and races who participate in liberation movements, this place is an oasis of hope about the wider world. We've successfully raised a raft of young people that choose to stay and buy houses here and do cool creative things too, because they are steeped in the values of our community, love, justice, art, and the restoration of the health of the earth. The gracious 65-acre park in the center of our neighborhood with its peaceful green vistas and the natural powderhorn-shaped lake in the middle is one emblem of that hope of ours. With decades of steady effort from the park board and citizen committees doing things to help the little lake recover its health, aeration, native grasses along the shoreline, etc., it is now clean enough to have frogs singing there each spring and to attract the occasional eagle or blue heron and hummingbird. Like our park and our lake, our community holds to the belief that the world's endemic problems can and will transform as we each do our small specific part with goodwill and keep at it. We intend to increase the peace by thinking globally and acting locally. But it isn't easy to stick to ideals and be all completely mellow yellow in a hood that also has the ongoing challenges of low income and a high crime rate. As a reluctant block leader here for over 30 years, I have frequently interfaced with people I'd rather not have to interface with, but they're part of living here and I must. Andre, a drug dealer that I was friendly with, informed me, like I was being stupid not to know it, that I live in the Strip the term that street people and guys in jail call this part of Lake Street, the place to go for drugs and prostitutes for the last 40 years. Apparently, 
the drug seller and addict loitering on my block, and the prostitute hailing cars on my corner think it's their neighborhood too. There's also the immigrant a few doors down who lets her dog bark all day, but we have a language barrier between us. She doesn't know or feel that she belongs to a neighborhood and that her dog is affecting her neighbors. I don't know if my efforts at sign language and big smiling is getting through to her. At times, I've had to pick up a used condom or human feces behind my garage. Ew. Yes, I wore gloves. And I've been surprised to find a homeless person asleep in the lawn chair in my backyard. My life here is a constant exercise in trying to keep to a spirit of goodwill as I communicate to different people about holding to some civility and healthy rules and boundaries here in this special neighborhood in the inner city. It hasn't been easy, but it's been real. I feel alive here in Powderhorn Park. Imagine my shock this summer to find that I now live at ground zero of a worldwide consciousness raising and an unstoppable movement to end systemic racism and transform our approach to policing. It was surreal to watch Lake Street burning on the BBC and on Al Jazeera and to read about quirky, sincere Powderhorn Park in the New York Times. George Floyd was killed here. Numerous buildings were destroyed here. And while we were still reeling from this, a large homeless encampment sprang up overnight in our beloved park and our crime rate ticked upward all over the city. The whole world has its eye on Minneapolis to see how that city takes these issues forward, I heard a national news announcer say. Transformation is clearly needed to end systemic racism in police departments nationwide. But really? It is given to us in Minneapolis to lead the way for cities around the world? The pressure's on. It seems that we in Minneapolis need to start getting some things right that have been wrong here and everywhere for a long time. Although the third precinct police station burned down before my eyes, it's apparently still alive in spirit and in intention because yesterday they sent me a survey soliciting my citizens' input on our big question. Am I happy with the current system of our police in Minneapolis? Can it work with some reforms? Or do I feel we need to dismantle the system and create an entirely new one? Thanks for asking me, guys, but I feel seriously overwhelmed by this question. The recent Black Lives Matter demonstrations that poured into our city streets in the wake of George Floyd's death have awakened me at last to the fact that I live in a vastly different Minneapolis and nation than do my black friends and neighbors, especially in terms of our experience with the police. As a black leader and a white person, I've had so many positive experiences with the police department over the years. My police have made me feel safer and somewhat protected from the crime and chaos of drug trafficking here in Powderhorn. Their speedy response to my 911 calls have kept the vice people off balance and unable to get a comfortable hold on my block. So th thank you, Sergeant Dan and officers Heather and Henry for chasing Andre and his girl off my corner. Too bad the only thing you can do is haul them off to jail for a few days. 
thank you to the respectful and intelligent policemen and women that I've met out in front of my house and in the numerous community safety meetings I've sat in over the years. I've seen you make every effort to treat people respectfully, and I'm sad that your profession is currently so dishonored. As an Irish American whose grandfather, three uncles, and three cousins were policemen in Chicago, where I'm from, I was steeped in some family pride about the important service of the police. The child in me still wants to believe in officer friendly. When Philando Castile died at the hands of a cop on camera in front of all of us five years ago, I watched my African-American friend, Kay, descend into profound rage and grief. And I tried to be there for her. When the cop was unjustly acquitted, I knew that she and many African-Americans in my town were meeting in families and community circles to grieve and to process their epic alienation from the rest of America, which acts like black lives don't matter. Poor Kay, I thought sorrowfully. It's such a shame that she and her African-American community have to deal with this terrible problem with the police. I didn't know. I didn't hear. I didn't get it enough that they are my community. I didn't let it in that Philando and George Floyd are my brothers and that their black lives must matter to me. The uprising has caused me to lose my innocence, which was actually my denial. Riots are the voice of people who haven't been heard for too long, said Martin Luther King. I admit now I've been willfully blind about the problem of police brutality for black people in my community. I see that my police are other people's worst nightmare. I've been forced to care about that and to join in the call for change. And I'm glad. I'm so uncomfortable, so nervous, and so on edge about what happens next. And I'm so glad. This is good trouble. The week after the death of George Floyd and the explosion of intense events in our city, my city council people gathered a crowd together in Powderhorn Park and made an announcement that they intend to defund and dismantle our police system. I felt an urge to shout, no, shh, don't say that out loud. They'll hear you. The drug cartels, the gangs from here and elsewhere, the petty criminals looking to up their game. I fear the power vacuum that will occur if we dismantle the police. We'll encourage these bad actors to pour into here in droves and set up shop and let it rip anew with unfettered vice crime. Good God, what dark havoc can get created on the streets while our leaders are moving at the glacial pace that usually prevails with hard changes. I want my police. As I hovered over my third precinct questionnaire, I became aware that even deeper than this fear of mine is the daunting perception that there is no good answer to this question in the short term. It's a holistic problem with interlocking puzzle pieces and it needs holistic solutions that may take the next three decades to establish. For instance, where are Andre the drug dealer and his sidekick Julie the prostitute supposed to go? 
And what are they supposed to do with themselves when they leave our overcrowded prison system and return to society? Up until now, they've come right back to my street. Their personal problems are deep and their pathways to honest income and stability are unclear at best. I hate seeing them here again because they make my block less safe, but I don't hate them. I believe that when you take all the circumstances into account, everyone is doing the best that they can. Everyone deserves respect and help to make a change when what they are doing on the street is untenable for civil life in the city around them. I think that if we are going to create an intelligent and sustainable change in the way we police our cities, we need to get the input of various community parties, everyone who interfaces with the police department inside and out. We need new systems and new solutions to address the problems that police officers are expected to deal with, but cannot. Alcohol and drug addiction, mental illness, domestic abuse, prostitution, homelessness, and gang activity. For each of these problems, there needs to be some kind of healthy next step and resource instead of prison. Where does my nice beat cop Henry take a troubled person instead of to jail? Reform the police? Dismantle the police department and create a new system? I'm so scared at the very sound of that. And already the crime rate in Minneapolis has ticked upward alarmingly. But I realize that my police have completely lost the trust of so many people, not just black people, and they are part of a bigger problem in society whose time is up. I have no confident answers. I do, however, have wishes. Perhaps my wishes are idealistic, and certainly they might take a couple of generations to be realized and stabilized fully. But I believe that this is a time to choose ideals instead of cynicism as we steer into the creation of new forms and systems. During the protests, I saw a big group of high school kids sitting in silent protest with their fists raised and a sign that says, we are not here to cause a race war, but instead to end the race war. It made my hair stand up with the energy of truth and freedom because I believe them and I believe in them. And kids, I thought, it may be your generation that gets to see our transformed systems become the new normal and our collective racism, a bewildering artifact left over from the archaic old days. Of course, black lives matter. How could it ever have been otherwise? I wish we had a new kind of police officer, someone who is the skilled professional trained in nonviolent communication and intervention, de-escalation and needs assessment. Someone who is a cross between a cop and a social worker, who has authority and compassion in equal measure. They could be called in to handle things like domestic abuse, vagrancy, troublesome drunks, and neighborhood nuisances like loud parties and dogs that bark all night. I wish that the police as we know them were only called in to handle dangerous situations. I suspect we still need some police who can carry weapons and use reasonable force as a last resort for the situations that cannot be safely handled 
by the new kind of community safety officer. I wish for the transformation in police departments nationwide to be conducted with respect and forgiveness of the abuses of the past and that we seek the input of the quote, good cops. There are many, many honorable cops with clean records and good hearts and minds that neighborhood leaders like myself have come to trust. Their input should be sought and the wisdom from their experience valued even as the societal role goes through honest scrutiny and necessary change. They know where the system fails us and what new systems must come into being. They know what's needed. Let's stop demonizing all cops. Let's trust some of them and ask them to be participants in a workable transformation. I wish that we had street level addiction intake centers and small local treatment facilities all over the city designed to handle the particular level of someone's addiction problem. For some addicts, a detox and two to four weeks of restorative rest, regular meals, peer support, and a social worker that they can relate to culturally would be enough to help someone balance out and start getting to AA meetings and their next job. For others, a slow weaning from hard drugs and a safe detox would lead them into a longer term treatment program. The field of chemical dependency treatment needs to transform itself too. I wish there was a paid network of healthy male mentors to lead fatherless young men into hope and new pathways for support and income instead of into the brotherhood they find in gangs. Or I wish the gradual transference of gang networks away from drugs and prostitution sales towards training and fairly paid jobs in small businesses or public works that will help our local environment. I wish we had safe houses, counseling, support, and skills training for prostitutes who are ready to change their lives, and possibly a safe and legal brothel in each neighborhood in the city. Let's let some sex workers provide this popular service in some kind of socially acceptable way and keep their customers from cruising down my street to seek sex with a girl on the corner. We moms who live here have daughters we want to keep safe from strange men. I wish we had new solutions for homelessness in our city with support from the state and the federal level. A lot of these people have mental illness and no family or safety net or place to be. In caring for everyone in our community, we need places where such a person in need can go for a rest, some meals, some support and counseling, while new pathways and stable housing are found for them. I wish that immigrant citizens and non-citizens alike were safe to participate in community life and safety building in our neighborhoods, that they were known and respected by their neighbors and empowered to report crime without fear of being discovered and deported by ICE. I wish, oh, don't even get me started on the need for gun reform and the decriminalization of marijuana why are some of our solutions to crime so obvious for so long? Lastly, I wish we'd base law enforcement on a mother's wisdom. If the kids are cranky and badly behaved, first, see if they're hungry and feed them. It may be time for a nap and some needed attention. Try to find out what they need and help them get it. If they still misbehave, 
then give them a timeout and a loss of privileges, but always see the good in them and help them learn what they need to learn next to get along with everybody. If we persist in our wishes for a neighborhood and a world that is committed to everyone's basic needs, food, housing, community, education, skills development, meaningful work, we will affirm the intrinsic value of each person. With that kind of justice comes peace. Right now, and for a long time to come, we all need to be speaking and making real changes that reflect that Black lives matter. Because Black people, it's your turn. We white people have ignored the hurt of systemic racism for hundreds of years, and we should not water down this message until it has gotten real traction in our laws and our systems, and until it becomes rooted solidly in our hearts and minds. If we do this, if we participate in the necessary transformation of racism despite our discomfort, there will be an inevitable ripple effect into the whole of humanity. Like a calm and healthy family that is well-educated and has enough resources, a family that is dedicated to the safety and nourishment of all of its members, one day everyone in the human family will know that their lives matter. I saw my friend Kay recently, and during the course of our lovely summer evening together, I made a simple apology about the manner in which I had, quote, supported her when Philando Castile died, with my heart somewhat at a distance from the horrific injustice of it, and the belief that it was a problem for the African-American community to grapple with. I told Kay, I get it now. Philando was my brother and community, and I have a problem that the police departments are steeped in systemic racism and they hurt black people as if their lives don't matter. Kay shrugged and looked at me with a little shrewd assessment and also a little warmth as she heard my apology and she nodded her head slightly. We both agreed that there is a lot of great graffiti all over our town these days. Black lives matter. Justice for George Floyd. Stay strong, Twin Cities. One love. In it together. Understand the past, transform the future. Kay and I agreed that this bad genie of racism is not going back into the bottle ever again. I asked her if she had a one word adjective for what's unfolded here so far since the death of George Floyd. She smiled serenely and said, it's glorious. <laughs>